Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you for another hour to go. Whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're choosing to listen via the live stream, which is available on ESPNTucson.com, we appreciate you choosing Arizona's only, or Tucson's only, not Arizona's only, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show as we break it down here for you every single weekday morning from 7 to 9, uh, and we do thank you for uh, for making the choice to uh, stick with us here as we just continue to have some fun and talk some football and talk sports, and we'll have plenty of Wildcat basketball to be discussing in the weeks to come, of course, as the season essentially kind of kicks off this Saturday with the Red-Blue game down at the McHale Center. Going to be uh, at, uh, at 3 o'clock. I'll be down there and uh, getting ready for the big dunk contest and all kinds of other fun festivities that they have planned. You know, things are going to be a little bit different this year under Tommy Lloyd, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of event uh, he and his staff have prepared for the fans. So looking forward to that. And uh, come out and support the team. Look, it's, it's the, 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 the football team's not playing. Come on down, 3 o'clock in the afternoon at the McHale Center. It's going to be a beautiful day. Come down to the McHale Center and uh, cheer on your Wildcats. Meet the team. There's going to be a uh, – listen, I, I broke things down earlier this, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago when I discussed the team, what kind of like the wake-up of the team as it stands right now, they're not going to be a preseason top 25 team, which we're not used to here in Tucson, of course. But I believe once the season is ending or once once the the uh, the uh, conference season begins or once conference season, I think Arizona is going to be sniffing around that top 25, maybe even the top 20. They're a, they're a good basketball team, and they've got a great front court. Front court is flush with talent. I mean, just littered with talent and experience in the front court. It's going to be a really exciting team to watch. Uh, and Tommy Lloyd's new system, very, very exciting as well. So come on out, check it out, support the team on Saturday at the Red-Blue game. Um, also, some other things that are going to be going on uh, around the uh, around the, the city of Tucson and uh, southern Arizona. There's the Monster Truck Nitro Tour. We're going to be continuing to give away tickets throughout the week there. Sarah Sears was a winner already today. We'll have more winners throughout the week. Uh, the... Uh, the Tucson uh, Tucson FC, the soccer club, they're going to be tipping off or kicking off a game on uh, on Saturday as well, as they've got a big game at Keno North coming up. So, lots of things going on in the uh, in the city of Tucson, and uh, we're just going to try to keep you apprised of of all of that. Now, I've been talking my NFL power rankings. I, I want to continue before I move on because we're going to talk some Wildcat football as well. And, and look, I have my thoughts on on some things that. Arizona could expect to improve during the bye week. But I want to talk about some teams that I think are in trouble right now in the NFL. These are five teams that are – things are not going well, and there was some ex- expectations from some of these teams, and I think you can just go ahead and just start flushing that down the toilet as that seems to be a theme uh, for the last couple of days. Between what Jed Fish said, uh, we're going to flush that down, and then Jalen Hurts last night at, at his press conference says when you take a douche, you don't look at it, you just flush it down. Uh, and some of these teams can go ahead and flush their uh, their playoff hopes down as well. We're going to start with number five, the Bears. Didn't have playoff aspirations this year. We knew the Bears were going to be bad. That team is god-awful. Offensively, they are absolutely terrible, and their head coach has no plan. Went on, went on record yesterday saying it could be any three of the quarterbacks that we have in there, but I have a game plan that we're going to play, even though all three of those quarterbacks are very different quarterbacks in what they do. 
Um, he's just going to roll out his little game plan that he has for each one of them and get somebody killed. I, I don't get it. Matt Nagy, I, I mentioned it yesterday, for the way that he treated Justin Fields in that game. Now, Justin Fields is not without, not without blame. Justin Fields was awful in the game as well. But you have to set yourself up. You have to set your players up for success. Matt Nagy should be fired for the way that he treated uh, Justin Fields in that game. Absolutely zero protection, zero opportunity to do anything in that offense. Uh, it's almost like he sabotaged the offense himself, like he wanted Justin Fields to fail or something. I don't know. I, I know that's not true. And don't, don't go running off to Twitter and be like, you can't, can't say that kind of stuff. Listen, I don't believe that he wanted Justin Fields to fail. But you look at the game plan that he had, it sure seemed like it. Like that was the worst possible scenario for Justin Fields to be put in. My number four team in trouble the Indianapolis Colts, they're 0-3. Teams don't bounce back from 0-3, even in a 17-game season. The AFC South looks to be a little tougher than we thought. The Houston Texans are been, have been a more difficult out than other teams have expected. And Jacksonville, I think they're going to start scoring some points here pretty soon. They're going to be a tough out as well if you can't score. And Indianapolis can't score right now. They've got a quarterback who's averaging, what is he, 52% completion percentage right now? Carson Wentz on two bad legs, one bad leg, three good legs, doesn't matter. His completion percentage is not going to get that much better. He's hurting the team right now. The offensive situation is not good. Frank Reich is starting to get really, really short with the media there, which tells you that the frustrations run deep with that offense. Defensively, they're still going to be very good. But that offense is is continuing to put that defense in bad positions, and that is a team right now that is far outside looking in for a team that had Super Bowl aspirations this year, they don't even have a chance of getting there if they can't figure this thing out real quick. And I mean real quick. They're in trouble. My number th- three team in trouble is the Washington football team. This is a team that I picked to win the NFC East, a team that a lot of people felt had one of the two or three best defenses in the entire league. Right now, if you, I mean, if you just look at right now in terms of yards per game, the Washington football team is 31st in the league in yards per game. They can't stop anybody through the air. They're giving up over 307 yards per game through the air. They can't stop teams on the ground at 125 yards a game, and they're giving up 31 points a game. That is one of the worst defenses in the league and one of the most talented defenses in the league. I can't figure out why. They've got a good coach. I love Ron Rivera. I think Ron Rivera is a good coach. Um, now, granted, his records won't tell you that. His records will tell you that he's basically been a 500 coach his entire career. But, man, how bad is that Washington football team? And you watch that Bills game this weekend. The, it, it was, the Bills were like running through wet toilet paper. I mean, it was just – there was no resistance whatsoever at all. The Washington football team's in big trouble. That's a team that, that again, a team who had aspirations to win – the, the NFC East, Dallas is right now head and shoulders ahead of them. And Philadelphia, I, that's going to be a, a, a slobber knocker, a, a, you know, a, a team where – a game where either Washington figures it out and it's a 7-6 final or Philadelphia puts it on them. I, I, I can't figure out this Washington football team right now, but if they don't figure themselves out, they're going to find themselves outside the playoffs looking for a new head coach. Number two, teams in trouble – the Pittsburgh Steelers. Did y'all watch Ben Roethlisberger play this weekend? The guy can barely even move. Like, he literally, 
trying to, you know, kind of just sidestep some of the, the pocket pressure that he was seeing, he fell down. Like, he just fell down trying to, trying to maneuver like he tripped over himself. He just fell. The interception that he threw against Cincinnati on Sunday was, and I'm not kidding, folks, it's the worst throw I've ever seen in my entire life from a quarterback. And I watched a lot of bad quarterbacks play. I've seen a lot of bad quarterback play, whether it was watching it in film study or watching it just on Sundays and Saturdays throughout the years. That interception that he threw to that linebacker was the worst throw, the worst decision, the worst moment I've ever seen a quarterback have, ever. Ben Roethlisberger, future Hall of Famer. Mike Tomlin went on record. He's like, look, we're bad. We're a bad football team right now. We can't run the football. We can't protect our quarterback. We can't throw the ball. Putting our defense in bad positions. And, yeah, it's going to start to get worse. Because once that offense continues to just mire in in just absolute awful, uh, you know, just an awful mess that it is, that defense is going to continue to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. They're pretty good right now, but it's going to get worse. And they don't have an answer at quarterback. Like, it's not like they got some hotshot rookie to come up and spell Ben Roethlisberger. That's it. Like, they're they're stuck with him. It is not good in uh, in Pittsburgh. Look, I predicted that, that Mike Tomlin would have his first losing season ever. I predicted them to be about an, maybe an 8-9 and nine or a 7-10 and 10 team, just kind of a barely losing season. This team's, this team's headed for 4-13 and 13 right now. This is going to be real bad. And finally, my number one team in trouble in the NFL right now, the Seattle Seahawks. They got bludgeoned, and I mean bludgeoned at home by the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings ran around, over, and through. They ran any play they wanted. They were, folks, when you watch that, when you watch the way the Vikings did on offense, it was basically like offensive coordinator just rolling the dice. Okay, uh, let's, you know, let's roll these dice here. Okay, that's number 17. Let's just run that play. I don't care what it is. It's going to get us nine yards. And it did. It was, they ran everything. It, it didn't even matter. Like they just, whatever they wanted to run. They put Cousins under center. They put Cousins in the, in the gun. They put Cousins in the pistol. They ran double tight end, single tight end. They ran four wide. They ran single back, two back. Didn't matter. Everything they tried worked against Seattle's defense. Seattle's defense right now ranked number 32 in the NFL. Pete Carroll has a dead last ranked defense in the NFL. And when the players are starting to talk about the scheme and how much the scheme sucks, players that have been there for four years, four or five years, Playing in Carroll's, Carroll runs that cover three, right? He runs the, that's, it's the same defense we've seen for ages. Same defense that Pete Carroll's run forever. Cover three. Stop the run, prevent the deep passes, everything underneath. You got to dink and dunk your way against the Seattle Seahawks and hope they just hope they make a mistake or they, they can get a, you know, a linebacker or a safety, come up and make a big hit or a play, uh, get the ball away from you. Just don't, don't allow anybody to get over the top. You got, you got secondary players saying the scheme sucks. You got Russell Wilson basically saying that the coach doesn't know what he's talking about. Russell Wilson, in his press conference, uh, the, 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 the reporter asked him, it was something, something to the effect of, when, when, you know, when we asked Pete Carroll about your decision to throw the out pass to Tyler Lockett, he said that you should have checked down. And basically, Russell said, I'm the quarterback. I make the calls out here. <laughs> Pete Carroll 
don't get to say anything about what ball I throw. Like, that's basically what he said. That locker room has been breaking down for quite some time and has been able to be held together because Pete Carroll is such a, 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 such a, a, a you know, big personality, a guy who's been known to be able to get, you know, everybody just get along. That locker room has been in disarray for quite some time, and now it's bleeding. That locker room is a festering wound that is wide, gaping open right now. That team's one and two, and I don't see things bouncing back right now. Offensively, they're terrible in the second half. They're not making any adjustments. Teams are able to just line up and just blast them right in the mouth in the second half. They have the worst second-half offense in the league. The worst. If you look at all the metrics and stuff of what their what their offense is specifically in the second half, like points per possession, yards per play, all that kind of stuff, they're the, they're dead last. And this is a team who is not playing with a lead in the second half. This is a team who has to try and get the get the lead back. They've been trailing in several of their games in the second half. They have they have just been absolutely crushed in the second half of games. And now the locker room is starting to get lost. Pete Carroll, the oldest coach in the NFL. I think it's it's starting to show its time that that he is going to be ushered out pretty soon. That team's in big trouble. One and two. I don't see a whole lot of more wins on the horizon the way they're playing defense right now, and the way that Russell Wilson is just out there just basically saying, "This is my team. I do what I want. I do what I want." Not good. Not a good look there for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. I mean, look, look, I couldn't happen to a better franchise. Okay, right. I, could not care less if the Seahawks are good or not. I'd prefer them to be terrible. But that team is just god-awful right now. Really, really bad. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk some Arizona football. We'll transition to college football. Arizona's bye week is coming at just the right time. Okay, and there's, there's, look, there's plenty of reasons why I feel that Arizona's bye week is coming at the right time. I've got some interesting notes here that I've uh, I've kind of jotted down just some things that Arizona can work on. And I've got my three keys to success in the final eight games of the season. That's all coming up next. Join ESPN Tucson for the Roadrunners Fan Fest this Sunday, October 3rd, along with mus- uh, mascot Dusty. The event is from 9 a.m. to noon. It's going to be held at the Crossroads at Silver Bell District Park in Marana. Admission is free with a non-perishable food donation. So break out those non-perishables. Be generous with your donations, please. And there's going to be plenty of fun things to be had there at the uh, Roadrunners Fan Fest. There's food trucks. There's bounce houses. There's obstacle courses. There's yard games. There's face painters. There's a dunk tank. Prizes and games galore. And, of course, ESPN Tucson's promotions team out there hanging out, having a good time, giving you some swag as well. So head on out there this, uh, this Sunday from 9 to noon for Roadrunners Fan Fest at the Crossroads at Silver Bell District Park in Marana. More after this. It's the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Uh, real quick, the Phoenix Mercury going to be facing off against the Las Vegas Aces in tonight's WNBA playoffs, the semifinals. Mercury, who defeated the Seattle Storm in the single elimination game last week, uh, will be advancing to the WNBA semifinals. Brittany Griner, of course, the uh, the superstar for the uh, for the Mighty Merc, finished second in the MVP voting today. So no MVP for Brittany Griner, but uh, the Phoenix Mercury are going to be taking on Las Vegas. That's a team that they played very, very closely during the regular season. So go Mercury. 
and uh, try to bring home one more title for Diana Tarazi. Let's talk about Wildcat football, shall we? Because it's the bye week, and we should be talking Wildcat football during the bye week, during the offseason, during all the time. Uh, look, this is the bye, the bye week is coming at just the right time. This is, this is the, the perfect time, in my opinion, for the bye week, and it, it's for many reasons. Number one, it, look, it, it's, not, it's not like Arizona is decimated by injury or anything like that, but it's coming at a perfect time is timing-wise. They're coming off another loss, however, a game that they're able to, to take some positive notes from, and they've got a new quarterback. According to Jed Fish, Jordan McLeod, is going to be the starting quarterback moving forward. So here are some reasons why I think this is the perfect time for the bye week for the Wildcats. Now that Jordan McLeod has been given the nod as Jed Fish's starting quarterback, it's going to give him a full two weeks of working with the ones without looking over his shoulder, without having to compete for his job. When you're competing for a job, you play differently than someone who already has the job and is just trying to now perfect it, get better at it, whatever whatever have you. It's his job. He needs to now work on maturing within the offense, but it's his job. He's no longer competing for that position. So I think that's a hugely important advantage for Jordan McLeod and for the offense. And specifically when talking about Jordan McLeod as the quarterback, how does that affect the rest of the team? It's not just Jordan McLeod that is going to take advantage and and receive the biggest boost from this bye week, having the two weeks with the ones. Having a new quarterback affects everybody. There's a a complete holistic effect uh, on the entire offense with a new quarterback. This is an opportunity now for receivers and backs to get used to having Jordan McLeod as their quarterback. The spin of the ball for the receivers, the arm angles that he delivers the ball from, um, the you know the 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 way that he places the ball into the belly of the running backs. Okay, everybody's everybody's different. There's a different feel. There's especially if they're going to be using uh, zone read and there's mesh points. If they're going to be doing any kind of zone read offense, it's very important to rep those out to get the feel for your quarterback, and also just the speed at which he plays the game. Some quarterbacks play at different paces. They some quarterbacks play really fast. Some quarterbacks play really slow. Things develop slowly. Their footwork is a little bit slower, a little bit more deliberate. Okay? Th- this is this is a situation where receivers and backs can now get used to this quarterback because there's a different feel. You like like I said, like the spin of the ball. It, it's funny. I was watching uh watching the Monday night pregame last week. I think it was. It was last week. I don't remember. I was watching it's one of the pregame shows. <laughs> I get lost in the middle of them. I watch so much stinking football. I get lost in the middle of them. Um, it was – oh, no, I'm sorry. It was before the, before the, the Niners and Packers game. There, St- Steve Young is throwing the football with, with, uh, with Randy Moss, and they're sitting there talking, okay, and throwing the football. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was last week against the Lions. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place here. Whatever. Devontae Adams is catching passes from Steve Young, Okay. And it's just Steve Young. He's standing there in a, in a shirt and tie. They're interviewing him, talking to him and stuff like that. And Steve Young said during the interview, basically, like nearing the end of the interview, he goes, I'm going to stop throwing you the football now because I don't want to throw off your vision of, of, the, of the spin that I put on the ball. Like basically saying, like, I understand how important it is that you get focused for this game. I don't want to throw your eyes off. 
by giving by showing you a different spin because you know Devonte Adams is a professional. He's trying to catch the ball. You can see him catch the ball and he tucks it. He catches the ball and he tucks it. He's just going. He's robotic in that motion, right? As he's viewing the football, he's viewing the spin and the rotation of the ball. Steve Young, obviously left-handed, opposite of Aaron Rodgers. Steve Young puts a different spin on the ball than Aaron Rodgers does. There's you know there's an angle of the ball, the nose of the ball, the way it comes out. Okay, everything changes with a new quarterback. And Steve Young acknowledged that in the pre in the pregame was like, I'm gonna stop throwing you the football because I don't want you to get used to my spin and then have to go into the game and try to catch Aaron's spin, which is going to be completely different. So he acknowledged that. He sees that. Okay, these are little things that we don't quite think about all the time. Okay, like we got a new quarterback. How's you know how does he run with the football? How far can he throw a ball? How about can his receivers? pick up the rotation of the ball what about arm angles what kind of angle does he throw the ball from if receivers are looking for a ball coming out over the top and it comes out underneath from the side like he sidearms it or something like that you it changes your eye level you have to move your eyes every time you have to move your eyes the the possibility of having a drop increases so you want to focus on where that ball's coming out where's the launch point where's the nose of the ball what kind of rotation are they getting this is all important stuff Stuff that has zero effect on us as fans until they drop a ball. You're like, oh, he dropped the ball. It's very important for these players to get on the same page. The, the running backs need to feel. Like, like, I, I remember like, I played with quarterbacks who would slam the ball into a running back's belly. I mean, you'd hear, the, you'd hear a thud. You could be, I mean, right in the middle of a game, you could hear it. You could hear it thud. And sometimes they'd stick it in there too hard and knock the breath out of the guy. Then there's quarterbacks who soft-handed. It's a, it's a loaf of bread. They're like, here, take this. Here, here, take this from me. And running back's got to aggressively grab the ball and run with it. There's a different feel to the way the quarterback hands you the football. These are all things that these guys are going to have to get used to. That's why this is the perfect time for the bye week. They're going to have two weeks of reps with this guy, be able to figure out spin, launch angles, the way he hands the ball off to them, the speed at which he plays the game, how quickly does he get into his sets? How quickly does he get to the ball? If they're running stretch plays, how fast can he run to the stretch? Where's his angle? These are all this repetition, things you get used to over time, playing with your quarterback. It takes time. Here's another aspect of the, of the offense that you may not have thought about and why it's so important to get Jordan McLeod reps during these bye weeks or this bye week. The offensive line now gets two weeks to adjust to blocking for a more mobile quarterback. There's, it is, I can't even tell you how different the feeling is of having a quarterback who's going to stand there like a statue in the pocket and deliver, boom, 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 deliver the ball from the pocket, as opposed to a guy who's going to look and all of a sudden, burp, and there he goes, squirts out, and he's running around. It is, a, it is a completely different animal. If you've ever played an offensive line situation where you've had a backup quarterback come in that's a runner, dude, like, it, it is <laughs> it is a mind-opening experience. You're just like, where, where is he going? Why is he gone? All of a sudden, you see that defensive lineman you had locked up. All of a sudden, he turns his head, and he starts pawing ass down the line of scrimmage. You're like, where is he going? What happened? This is supposed to be a pass play. Oh, that's right. We have a quarterback who's going to read once. If it's not there, he's going to take off. Oops, better get out there before he gets tackled for a loss. And that's what happens. Okay, so the O-line now gets, to, gets time to adjust. They get two weeks to adjust to blocking to a more mobile quarterback. And, look, Jordan McLeod isn't Mike Vick, okay? He's not Cam Newton out there. 
he's going to be looking to throw the ball first. That's the, that's the offense that Jetfish wants to run. They're going to deliver the football mostly from the pocket. But as we saw in the Oregon game, that pocket's going to be mobile. They're going to be moving the pocket. Okay, His ability to move the pocket, he gives them, he gives them that ability is over like a Gunner Cruz, for, per se. Okay, As well as releasing downfield when coverage takes passing options away. You have to be able to release. You have to be listening for that cue. Okay? Maybe it's something he says. Maybe it's just, you know, <laughs> go or whatever. You get used to all that kind of stuff. Repetitions that you hear. Oh, it's time to go. You got to go down downfield, find a linebacker, find a find a secondary guy. He gone. He, he'll outrun my defensive lineman. It's also important, and this is extremely important. This is something that does not get quantified by most by most fans. It just just things you just overlook and it's easy to do that because you're looking at stats and you're looking at other things performance on the field i get it. i'm not calling you dumb i'm just saying these are these are a lot of things that people overlook is to be comfortable with the, the cadence with mcleod's cadence every quarterback has a different cadence they choose different cadences they like they have different voice inflection on certain counts certain uh consonants okay they all sound different and it's easy to jump off sides or easy to be like was was that the oh, oh, time to go? I mean, it's it's easy to get that way because you're not used to the cadence. Look, offenses use cadence because it's their only advantage over a defense. That's the advantage you have over the defense is your cadence. You get off at the same time. Everybody fires off the ball at the same time. You're winning. Okay, you need time to develop the cadence familiarity with your quarterback. If you're an offensive lineman, you know what I'm talking about. You know the feeling. I mean, hell, if you're a wide receiver. You know what I'm talking about. You have to understand the cadence. You have to know that. Every quarterback is different. Every quarterback picks a different type of cadence. It's important that everyone's on the same team. Okay, so those are those are the biggest things for me as to why this bye week is coming at the right time for the Wildcats. And then just defensively, folks, like, like let's, not, let's not forget about the defense. There is another side of the ball here. It's time for the defense to get healthy. This is... Like this defense has been four weeks of being on that field for a long time. Time of possession, Arizona right now, 85th in the country. They exponentially increased that with a, was it 39 minutes in the Oregon game where they dominated time of possession? But that defense has been out there for a lot of minutes this season, and they're beat up. They're tired. They're, they're banged up. It's time for them to get healthy. Time for them to rest and maybe a little bit of time for Don Brown to install some more looks because I think the defense has done well of giving teams looks that they weren't prepared for. So these are all important aspects of the bye week and things that Arizona needs to be taken advantage of. Coming up after the break, my three keys to success in the final eight games of the season. That's next. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. NFL Cover 2 featured every weekday on Spears and Ali. It's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery, serving Arizona for 30 years now. It's Cover 2 every single weekday on Spears and Ali from 3 to 6 right here on ESPN Tucson. I put together my three keys to success in the final eight games of the season. What is success? How do you define success? I think everybody has a different definition of success for this Arizona Wildcat football team the second half. 
uh, of this. Of the, I, I should say the second half. This, the 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 final two thirds of the season, right? Because the bye week came early, which is good. I, I, like I, I just laid out why the reasons why all that is good. Um, final eight games of the season. What is the definition of success? Well, obviously Arizona needs to get a win. They got to get a win somewhere. Okay, Arizona is going to have to win something at some point, whether it's the next home game against UCLA, get catch lightning in a bottle, beat UCLA at home, whether it's the game in Boulder against Colorado, maybe Washington comes to town and stubs their toe in Tucson like they've often been known to do, maybe it's a Territorial Cup game, maybe it's more than one win. Success, in my opinion, is going to be predicated on these three things. Okay, Number one, and this is paramount, if Arizona wants to win a football game this year, they absolutely have to. They have to flip the script in turnover margin. They, you cannot continue to be 125th in the country in turnover margin. But I'm looking at the defense. Defense, we need more takeaways. Like you got to find ways to make plays. Safeties, corners, turn around, look for the ball, make a play on the ball, go after it. Be, be a ball hawk. Okay, work within the frame of the defense. Get out there and get us an interception. Special teams, make a play. Make a big play on special teams. Rip the ball out. Stick your helmet. Put your helmet on the ball. Pop it out of there. Okay? Make things happen. Create chaos. Turnovers. Turnovers are a wonderful thing if you're on the defensive side, if you're, if you're gaining the turnover. Okay? Amazing things because they just – just, if you ever look at a coach after the team turns the ball over, it's just like they just want to kill somebody. Like they're just so mad. They just – mistakes like that you cannot have. Arizona right now is minus seven in turnover margin, 125th in the country. That absolutely has to be number one paramount, highest priority for this Wildcat team. You have to flip the script on turnover margin. has to be changed immediately. You cannot be continue to be minus seven the rest of the year. That's, that's stuff that someone's team did. That's not this team. You got to be better than that. Minus seven's pathetic. Go out and make a play. Get the ball. Like in like in the replacements. Danny, go get me the ball. I'll get you the ball. Go get me the ball, Danny. I'll get you the ball. Go get me the ball. Don Brown, tell somebody to go get you the ball. He's a motivator. I bet somebody will get him the ball. Let me go run through a brick wall for that dude. Number two, key to success in the final eight games of the season. Improve red zone performance. It's not going to take much to improve. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Score a touchdown every once in a while, and you'll improve on your current ranking in red zone offense, which is currently 121st in the country out of 130 teams, and it's 125th in total points, total red zone points. 14 red zone attempts this year, which isn't actually that bad. If you look at the amount of attempts that Arizona's had in the red zone, a lot of times Arizona's been in the red zone, 14, I think, I think the nation's top is like 22, like 22 red zone uh, appearances, okay? Not not terrible. 14's not bad. It's basically middle of the pack. Like I think it's like 68th in the country or something like that. But to be 121st in offensive efficiency and 125th in red zone scoring, folks, it doesn't get much worse than that. Like it literally, it, it's, it almost can't get worse than that. There are a couple teams – in, in Power 5 conferences that are struggling worse than Arizona in red zone offense, their names are Kentucky, who right now are they, – they, they are a pathetic mess. Like, 
Kentucky Wildcat football fans expected big things out of their program this year, the team stinks. Like, they are bad. Wisconsin, they have a lower red zone offensive rating. Have you seen Reds, uh, Wisconsin play? Y- yeah. <laughs> okay, noted. Sure. Yeah, probably maybe one of the worst offenses in the league, which is crazy to think about, Wisconsin. But and especially under Paul Christ, and they got Graham Mertz, the quarterback. Like, hard to believe. But, yeah, awful, awful offense. And Vanderbilt, who just got beat 62 to nothing. Those are like the three teams that are worse than Arizona at red zone. You have to improve your red zone performance. Absolutely have to. How do you do that? Well, I think Arizona found a little bit of a little bit of remedy this Saturday against Oregon because the offensive line played with more conviction, more confidence. They were able to push Oregon around a little bit, something they weren't able to do in the previous three games against look, BYU and San Diego State, very stout up front. NAU, not stout up front. No excuse for that. But only one rushing touchdown in the red zone this year, that's got to change. And running backs, hey, uh, you know, have a nose for the end zone, okay? We've seen plenty of them here at Arizona in the past. Kadeem Carey had an amazing nose for the end zone. Obviously, they ran the football like crazy under Kadeem. Kadeem had a great nose for the end zone. You know how I remember I remember watching this guy play, and it seemed like every time he got the ball, if Arizona was inside the five-yard line and he got the ball, he was going to score as Nick Grigsby. Tiny little Nick Grigsby, right? Had a great nose for the end zone. Some guys just know how to punch it in. Arizona needs to find that guy. Whether it's Jalen John, 5'11", 225 pounds, he's a house, monster. I love Jalen John. Big fan of Jalen John. Whether you use Stevie Rocker and his shifting ability, how quick he is, bouncing around, little little water bug out there. Okay? Or whether you're using Drake Anderson and his lateral, his, his, his or north to south quickness, his vertical quickness, it was on display earlier this season and we saw it against Oregon. Or if you got Michael Wiley in there, banging it in between the tackles. Or give it to Clay Markoff. Let him go out there and push some people around into the end zone. Find some way to score a rushing touchdown in the red zone, please. They have to improve red zone performance, period. That is one of the keys to success in the final eight games of the season. And finally, and maybe most importantly, and one of the things that cannot be quantified, one of the things that cannot be identified by a statistic, it's not a tangible thing. You can't grasp it. You can't hold it. You can't unfold it. You can't rank it. You can't do anything like this with it. But you have to establish your identity. If you're Arizona football, you have to establish who you're going to be the rest of the season. Because only once you find yourself can you let others know who you are. That's the best advice I can give. Only once you have found yourself can you let others know who you are. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're a farce. You're fooling yourself. You can't establish any kind of identity with an opponent or with anybody else, with the community, with anything else, until you find out who you are yourself. Arizona must find their identity in these two weeks and start moving forward with that identity. What are you? Who do you want to be? How do you want to be remembered this season? What is it that you want your opponents to know about you? Establish your identity. It is so important. There are good leaders on this football team, whether it's players in the locker room or whether it's coaches. There are plenty of people who are willing to step up and lead this team. There's good leaders on this team, in my opinion. But you have to establish your identity because otherwise 
you're just fooling yourself out there. You're just you're just an uh, an, uh, an identifiable, unidentifiable amoeba of football. Go out there and establish your identity. We've seen some hints of what it might be. But only Arizona can establish that. Only those players and those coaches can establish that and enforce that the rest of this season. It is so – I can't even tell you how important it is. And people talk about the time, oh, well, what's our identity? You have to establish an identity. It's not just lip service, folks. It is so vitally important. Who are you? What do you do? If you, if you look at the top teams in the country, okay, whether it's NFL, college, whatever have you, okay, you can identify them by their identity, right? When you say Alabama, okay, obviously they're, they're extremely talented. <laughs> Maybe that is their identity. But they're also extremely well coached. They're highly disciplined, and they're very tough. They're very fast. They're very strong. They, they do a lot of things well. They are a dominant force. That's their identity. We are the juggernaut, okay? Georgia, we're going to, you are not going to get two yards on us in whatever you try to do. We are not going to give up any kind of yards. We're not going to give up points. We've shut two teams out already this year. We're going to shut your ass out too. They, they, are, they are defense personified. They are punching you in the mouth, and they're getting two guys back this week, guys that are on suspension. Two five-stars are coming back onto that defense. That might be the best team in the country. All these teams have established their identity. Arizona must establish theirs. So there you go. Three keys to success in the final eight games of the season. However you define success for Arizona in the final eight games of this year, these are the three keys. Flip the script on turnover margin, improve your red zone performance, and establish your identity. Those are the three keys, my opinion. Share yours with me. You can share them with me on Twitter. I would love to hear what your keys are to success for Arizona this final stretch of the season final following the bye week and our final eight games in conference play would love for you to share it with me you could do it at uaz voice on twitter at uaz voice join spears and ali you can share your uh, your thoughts with them uh this thursday night as they're doing a live broadcast from the native grill and wings in morana it's going to be from three to six the uh, native grill and wings located right there it's just on the southwest corner of i-10 and cortero right there on uh, courtney page way They've got great food and drink specials, over 40 television, 12 beers on tap, great place to watch a football game. And you can download their Native Grill and Wings loyalty app to get offers and promotions, get some deals on some of the delicious wings and all the great sauces they have. By the way, spicy mustard, you're welcome. Thursday night football at Native Grill and Wings in Miranda, home of the original Arizona Wings. That's this Thursday with Spears and Ali from 3 to 6. When I return... I'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next, right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, I think we're all gearing up for the matchup. Tampa, New England, Brady returning to face off against Belichick, but I think one of the forgotten, I think at least across the country, maybe not so much here because we are focused on and we love our Rob Gronkowski. But I think a lot of people have forgotten that Gronk is returning to play against Bill Belichick and the Patriots as well for the first time in his career because you know he was drafted by them, obviously had a ton of success. He's going to go into the Hall of Fame with a bust that is adorned in New England Patriots gear, I'm sure. 
how is he going to approach this, you know, this reunion, if you will? I know Tom Brady has already dropped some hints about how he feels. So it would be interesting to see what uh, Gronk feels about this as well. I thought it was kind of funny. You, you know, last year when he joined, when it, was, when it was announced that he was going to be joining the Buccaneers, you know, Tom talked him out of retirement essentially, said come down to Tampa. You know, Bruce Arians said, he goes, he, goes I, he was dying in the heat here in Florida. He goes, I kept kidding with him. He said, this ain't New England, man. You trained in the wrong spot. <laughs> you know, and then he made fun of him. So I was like, oh, dude, you're right, man. <laughs> uh, Arian says he looks totally different this year than he did last year. He was really struggling early with the heat, getting back into football shape, and by the time our whole team clicked, he clicked. This year, he worked his ass off all spring. He was out there running in the heat, and he's a totally different guy. 16 catches, 184 yards, four touchdowns already through three games this season as uh, the Buccaneers, of course, 2-1. and one. Now, Gronk spoke with The Athletic about playing in New England earlier this month when they, they had talked to him earlier this month. He goes, oh, man, it's big for sure. When that week comes, it's going to feel a lot different than any other week, I would probably say. Well, it's here. And, look, Gronk is the, you know, he's a fun-loving guy. Okay, we, we, all, we all know that about him. He's got this wonderful personality, and we love Gronk, and I love Gronk and his family. And, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten to know uh, a couple of the Gronk brothers over the years and uh, just a, a fun family to be around, and Gronk is that guy. However, he's also a very serious student of the game. He works hard. Like he, Rob Gronkowski, for as goofy as he acts off the field, there's a reason you can't – listen – you can't be considered one of the greatest of all time at your position if you're just a complete goof-off. He works hard. Make no mistake about it. He works extremely hard at what he does. He has gotten very good at the way he, the way he runs his routes. I'm not going to get into the technicalities of it, but just the way he runs his routes, there's a reason why he's always so open. And it's not because he's the fastest guy in the world. It's not because he shoves a defender out of the way. It's because he's able to hedge. He, is, he uses leverage to an advantage because he's smarter than other people on the field. You know, I always tell this story about Rob, and people are just like, what, really? You know, Rob has never spent a dime of his game day checks. The game day checks that he gets goes into investment banking and uh, into some other things, some other ventures. He doesn't spend a dime. His, like, spending cash and, you know, what he buys things with are all things that he buys with, like, endorsement deals or, or whatever. He doesn't, like, he doesn't spend his game check money. That guy is set, like, he wrote a book. He wrote a financial advisement book. You know, his father obviously set him up for that, and the family's very smart, and they, you know, they did their homework on how to manage your finances as an NFL superstar and things like that, okay? They, they did their homework. They knew all about that. But Gronk has really expanded on that, he, you know, as, as – as interesting as he may seem, as lavish as it may seem, he drives like a like a 2015 Ford F-150. You know, I mean, he just he's just a normal guy. Like he's got a normal looking house. He doesn't he doesn't go all out. He's not that kind of guy. He probably will once he's done. He'll probably you know get himself a Lambo or a Rari or something like that and go have some fun. But he's starting to settle down now, which I kind of like as well. It's kind of fun to see this more domesticated side of Rob Gronkowski, which it's taken him a while to get there. But uh, it's, it's fun to watch nonetheless. He's a really smart guy. He's very intelligent. I'm sure he's approaching this game with a lot of the same kind of feelings that Tom is. And, look, 
I don't, I don't think Gronk was treated the same way that Brady was in Tampa, where the the onus was on him all the time. Obviously, you know, Brady earned all those accolades and things like that, and I think Brady was treated a little bit differently. But even if Gronk had been treated differently, I don't think he would have mattered. I don't think he would have cared. He's just happy to be playing football, happy to be winning championships. But I think he will have a little empathy with Tom in that game, and I think you'll see them stick together a lot uh, that night. And it's coming up. It's going to be very interesting to see. See what happens. I think I think Tampa hangs about 30 on them in the first half. <laughs> I really do. I think they're going to go after it. And there's not going to be much, not going to be much that New England can do about it. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to our winner of the Monster Truck tickets, Sarah Sears. Congratulations, Sarah. Enjoy the show. And thanks, of course, to Mary back in the studio for pushing all the right buttons and keeping us on the air. And thanks to you guys, the listeners. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali at 3 o'clock, and we'll see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to The Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.